on this episode of Ask LA. And this is a ton of social problems with, in, in America right now. Um, I'm definitely interested in like how landscape architecture can, can be a part of that in multiple ways. The Ask LA podcast is brought to you by the American Society of Landscape Architects. Produced by the ASLA Emerging Professionals Committee, each episode is geared to provide information and insight into the profession of landscape architecture for students and emerging professionals. On this episode of Ask LA, we are joined by Andrew Sargent of Lionheart in Austin, Texas. Still early in his career, Andrew is an important voice to landscape architecture with a particular focus on technology and how it can help landscape architecture make a more powerful impact on society. I'm your host, Daniel Martin. Let's dive in. Welcome everybody to this episode. So excited to have Andrew Sargent with us. Uh, Andrew is a young landscape architect doing great things, making a big impact around the country already. So we're gonna get into some of the exciting stuff he's got going on. But uh, Andrew is a tech enthusiast who uh, is looking to pioneer the use of design technology in the field of landscape architecture. So as a techie, I'm really looking forward to get some of your take on that, Andrew. Uh, Andrew's an Olmstead Scholar in 2016 and a 2019 LAF Fellow. So like I said, he's making things happen already. Uh, he's conducting research on the use of immersive technology in the field of landscape architecture. So Andrew, welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to uh, to talking to you, and I don't want to waste any more time getting into this tech stuff. So let's like jump right into technology because that's exciting stuff. Okay. All uh, right. So uh, what is it that gets you excited about technology and landscape architecture? I think um, generally it stems from just being into technology as a whole. I think I'm a techie through and through. Um, I think. Uh, for folks born in my generation, I think we were in high school when the first iPhone came out. And I really think that's like the, the big start or the big benchmark for a lot of folks in my generation. The iPhone being like this, this whole new era of smartphones and Apple kind of seating themselves as the, the company to follow for all kinds of design around new tech. Um, and then from there, I think I was, I was talking to someone in LA and like, I think that iPhone kind of set it off for me. It was this kind of this new thought around learning yourself because I don't know if people remember, but when the first iPhone came out, there was this thing where you could do, you could jailbreak it and get free apps and things and unlock it. And it was like, oh my God, you can do all so much more with the phone. And I started doing that for folks that I went to high school with and I just learned it on YouTube. And then people would pay me money to do that, even though the videos were on YouTube. And I was like, hey, it's, it's a friend. They're like, hey, you can just do this yourself. They're like, nah, man, we'd rather just pay you to do it. And it was kind of this idea that, oh, wow, one, there's like self-learning online. And then like, if you can teach yourself things that other people won't teach yourself, then you can like kind of market yourself that way. Like I didn't even have to do anything. People would just bring their iPhones to me at lunch. I'd take them all, <laughs> go on YouTube, jailbreak them, I'll bring it back for money. Right. So, yeah, and I think it's, it's gotten a little bit more altruistic since then, like thinking about just the kind of world that we, we live in right now. I kind of, uh, I, I talked about some of these new thoughts. Um, uh, Texas A&M recently um, kind of gave this presentation on where my head is in, in, in right now in respect to landscape architecture and technology. I think um, kind of the presentation I gave at LAF was this kind of centrist argument saying that, you know, 
um, new design technology as well as old ways of representation, graphic representation go hand in hand and, you know, one isn't greater than the other and, and they should be married and, you know, theory and all that kind of stuff. And I think the parting is about to be a year since that symposium presentation. I'm kind of slid a little bit more off that centered point of view into thinking that I think design technology should be taken a little bit more seriously by landscape architects um, in its advocacy, like, you know, getting people um, engaged with it. And then also just like in its accessibility. It's one of the things that we kind of touched on with starting the urban students, this idea of, um, you know, uh, the, like having, having um, technology be available to all, all, um, all people. So um, not just like the communities we serve this, but then also to all landscape architects, whether you're like a two person shop or, you know, 80 person to hundred person firm, you should have access to the best technology to do your designs and make the discipline of landscape architecture better. Um, it's still something that I'm kind of wrapping my head around, but I think it's something we got to get in front of. I think the, the thing that I talked about um, in, the, in the talk was like this idea of this moment in time called the singularity where technology becomes so advanced that there's this, um, this, this moment in time that we can't go back. We can't change civilization again. And, and I think the big thing around that was like AI, like once machine learning gets, you know, it'll be like Terminator style. Everyone, like you, you watch out for your robots that can like clean and cook your favorite meal without you even thinking about it. But if you take away that kind of sci-fi stuff, we've already reached that point in which technology is um, a part of so many people's lives that they don't even really see it there. I mean, when I was, when I transferred to Temple 2016, a friend and I used to like try our best to get cabs at the end of Broad Street on campus and take us downtown to go to bars. And like, you know, black students like in Northern Philadelphia trying to get cabs to go down to bars, really hard to do. And then Uber came and it was like, well, you don't need cabs anymore. So, so and it's like, you know, it's a function of technology. It's not just like a, a transportation thing. It's like, all right, cool, pull up the app. Now this guy can come meet me via GPS, take me to where I'm going, you know, pick up other people on the way. It's like, it's, it's so much ingrained. Right. I think um, we kind of do ourselves a disservice by not taking that a little bit more seriously, so. How do you think technology has changed landscape architecture already? Maybe um, in, in practice, the way things are designed, but also maybe even in the designs themselves. I think um, you see it in, in certain presentations. A lot of firms will talk to, you know, either their collaboration with other disciplines. It makes us a little bit more um, cutting edge in that regard, you know, whether you're using like uh, BIM to, to work with architects or using civil 3D to work with civil or, you know, parametric modeling for design iteration and stuff like that. And you see it in certain presentations um, and certain people like talking about it. But I think, um, Unfortunately, it's just not talked about um, with it in the same light that all the other aspects of landscape architecture, the kind of holy grail, the sustainability, resiliency, uh, stormwater infrastructure, which are all, you know, most of the time keyed in through technology. Like, you know, you think of, you know, how are people doing these calcs? How are people um, making sure that, uh, you know, the grading and things like that work? A lot of the times, you know, these models go beyond just like the quick hand sketches, like, you know, how do we effectively, you know, make sure this thing is, is, is really working or overproof to, to some extent in collaboration with other disciplines. Um, 
but I don't think it's like, it's really like transparent enough that like, you know, we use technology more than, more than this is, this is a time that we'll, we'll, this is the least about that we'll use technology. Every point beyond this, we'll just lean on it more and more and more and more and more. And it's kind of like, um, you know, there's just kind of this reluctance to say like, landscape architecture is like all in. Because I feel like there's, there's this idea that we might lose some of that innocence that comes with, you know, uh, the the old age of hand drawing everything, the, the ink and color pencil and stuff like that. And I just don't think that's true. You know, people people always do that. And I, I get it from some some faculty members. They'll say that, like, you know, because of Lumion, all those things. Kids will think that the design is, like, done, like, right away, just because they can render it. And I'm like, well, that's that's true. Maybe maybe that is true. But if a kid was a really good hand renderer, they might think the design is done that done because they they rendered it well too. You know, I think what what's kind of um, I just don't think the education probably is caught up. You know, and that's that's due to probably a number of things. Like I've been thinking about it. Like you know, the 08 recession or maybe this recession that we're about to go in right now could be could be a result of that because we lost a good number of people. Um, who graduated at that time, which probably could have been either faculty or uh, maybe mid-year professionals right now that might have been a little bit more um, uh, more understanding of this, this new wave of technology. Um, so there's, there's probably a number of things that go into it. I also think the shelf life of the landscape architect is really, really long, which is like a good thing for those <laughs> who so want to come into the profession, but it's also like, you know, what is the what is the turnover of um, ideas? You know, it's like mm-hmm. some of the folks that are on like the Mount Rushmore of landscape architecture um, are still practicing. They're like in their 80s, 70s, and still kind of shaping um, the way the profession is 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 kind of looked upon. And what happens after those folks kind of um, matriculate and some other folks kind of step up? You might see some different some different thinking. Right. Um. Are there, you mentioned BIM uh, and, you know, working in some multidisciplinary stuff. Are there technologies that you see alliance or organizations or professions or maybe even people aren't even in, you know, the landscape architecture circle, but do you see technology out there, other people are using that landscape architects should be adopting that they're not? Um, yeah, I mean, the BIM, the BIM thing seems like a no-brainer, um, at, least, at least to me, because, you know, uh, BIM was actually like a, a big part of my first experience working in the landscape architecture firm. So when I started at Olin, I think it was like, you know, first day, it was like, here's, here's a project we're doing, um, uh, NYCHA public housing in Red Oak of Brooklyn. It's like peer project, we're in, we're in DD, I forgot which percent of you were in, but like, you know, we're, we're modeling in Revit. And I was like, what's Revit? I was like, oh, it's this program. <laughs> we collaborate with architects, but we're, the architects are in Revit, and we're modeling in Revit. And it was like, Hey, you got you got like uh, a couple days to kind of learn this thing. You can free for all kind of things. So it was like, all right, cool. Knowing that, I just like dove in like head first. I'm like, all right, this is cool, and it just kind of made sense to me. It's like logical. Like, oh, the model is the construction documentation. Oh, that makes sense. You know, I can see the architect's model. They can see the R. Um, but the way it's going, if you, I mean, I think people have talked about this. If you look at trends um, in the UK and how that became the standard, it's probably going to happen in America sooner than later. But I also think, you know, it's, it just comes from a collaboration standpoint. It's like when architects don't have to translate their information to you, um, 
and also you don't have to translate their information. I feel like it's 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 almost just as powerful for us. I mean, I've like been in a model. We like spin the architecture's model around. Like, oh man, they they change the SFE on the doors. Like how you know the things that sometimes get get lost when you just get like the first four base plan. You just ask like, hey, let me get the first four base plan. You know, you can be so much more involved in that dialogue. Um, I think that's just just like a almost like a non-starter at this point. I think people know about BIM and just getting into it. Um, of course, immersive technology. I think you know uh, if Angela picks up the session that um, uh, some folks, uh, myself, uh, 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 a colleague from Sasaki and, and Scape submitted for uh, Miami, um, kind of talking about more use within the office around immersive tech. Um, right now, it's like uh, get in while it's hot. It's like, again, if you, you saw like when iPhone shifted the market for, for, short, for, for, uh, for smartphones, it's like definitely get in right now because the technology um, is, is, is right at the, the genesis where they're taking so much consumer feedback on how it should be used. Um, they're looking for people to, to, to tell them, um, you know, this can be a whole market that you're not even thinking about. And I think the, the way my fellowship research ended up was, you know, what are the, the kind of intangible qualities of landscape um, that you know are not easily communicated to the traditional means like you know the sunlight hitting your face or um, wind sound and things of that nature and being able to communicate that to design not just for like you know some of the um more picturesque moments like you know um, sunset in a park kind of thing but some of the things that i think we're having difficulty um communicating the the uh the urgency of you know i mean whether you talk to folks that believe in climate change or or, or against it, um, using some of these tools, these new tools to, to, to communicate um, the efficacy of landscape design, but also the urgency in which we need to act on some of these things. Like, it was, it's not a game, <laughs> you know, uh, we gotta, we gotta move fast. And I think, you know, it's like a, it's almost like a by any means kind of thing. It's like, whatever gets the message across, like we gotta use it. Like, I mean, every tool in the toolbox, like throw a wrench at it, throw a hammer at it, throw, whatever you got at it, um, if, if it gets the point across. Landscape architects lead the planning, design, and stewardship of healthy, equitable, safe, and resilient environments. The mission of the American Society of Landscape Architects is to advance landscape architecture through advocacy, communication, education, and fellowship. Representing more than 15,000 members, ASLA is the collective voice of the profession. Membership matters. Find out more and join today at ASLA.org. Have you read or are you familiar with the book, The Future of the Professions? Yeah, it's a couple of people have, have told me about this. LA <laughs> yeah, so, so what do you think about that? Could technology make landscape architects obsolete? I don't think so. I think, I think, you know, what I've definitely learned over the last year and joining a smaller firm is some of the, so many of the nuances that get projects built. Like I think personally, a, a goal for me is just getting stuff built. You know, I'm just like, a, a, all the research is cool, but I think the physical manifestation of like all these ideas that actually change people's lives is what's really important. Um, but to deliver on a good project takes so much. Like, it's not just, I mean, if computers could go out there and talk 
to contractors and, you know, um, make sure things look right in the site and look at mock-ups. I think we're so, we're so far off of that. Um, ideally, I think, I think there was a story of, the story of automation can be like seen through like the bank teller. It's like all right, when, when people had the ATM, the ATM first came out, they were like, oh, bank teller is going to be obsolete. But basically what that did was just, they just changed the profession. Now your bank teller is not just dispensing information. That's kind of like a, it's like a, your, your, your point guard for the bank. Like you go there and you have conversations, you build a rapport with your bank. They fill a completely different role um, than they used to just because the ATM is automating that quick thing. Like, oh, let me get my cash. Let me deposit this check. But then the bank teller is completely different. You probably know your bank teller by name. If you say bank all the time. Um, so like people, ultimately, I think the career, the, the, professional probably shift based on you know automation or using new technology but like there's certain nuances and i mean if you're a good designer you feel some way about the materials and and like where where program is and things of that nature i, I just don't think that's going to be taken away anytime soon right yep and now they're even showing commercials uh with the new atms that have the video where you're actually video talking with the teller. Have you seen those? <laughs> so it's like coming full circle. <laughs> so now you got yeah. real people just on the screen of the ATM. It's, it's interesting. Um, so uh, obviously we're talking about technology. What other things about landscape architects are you passionate about? What, uh, what do you really love and, and get excited about in the field? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited about generally everything with, with landscape architecture. I don't think like, I mean, I think I have like a, a big respect for public parks and the culture around public parks, um, definitely in the Americas. It's just, I think something that is grand in, in a lot of scales, whether you're talking about you know, national parks all the way down to like your block by block parks and like des dense urban environments. There's, there's something to be said about like the, the craft and design of those, those, those like social hubs um, so definitely, um, definitely keying into that, um, especially with, you know, how urbanization is going to go. Um, a lot of cities being revitalized, a lot of people moving to urban areas. What is going to be the life of these new spaces, uh, places that don't have like really great public space right now, but are definitely going to be looking to develop some in the near future. Um, but I think also just landscape architecture, um, in the sense of like, and this is a ton of social problems with in, in America right now. Um, I'm definitely interested in like how landscape architecture can can be a part of that in multiple ways. I mean, and and like an economic driver for folks that are trying to um, reclaim certain spaces, um, but then also just like a way to bring people together. Um, I think was it uh, David Rubin um, saying like landscape is the great equalizer, you know, common man, common man kind of thing. And I've seen that like manifested in my life in, in multiple ways in the Americas, but then also in like parks abroad. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the park, but I went to um, a really beautiful park in Istanbul, maybe like um, it was like three years ago. And um, it was just like amazing seeing people, you know, one stop for prayer, like every, like the whole, the whole dynamic of, of uh, social melting was like, I, I was able to just sit there, sketchbook and absorb all of that. And it was like, the world kind of fell away. It's like that, that's like really beautiful to see. Um, 
And I think just more and more of that, like if it's, if it's super comp, imagine, you know, we, we, we kind of pine over our, our favorite parks, but sometimes it feels like those are isolated things or like, you know, that jewel over there. But if, if these things were on like every, every block or, you know, relatively accessible to, to most people, imagine the, the impact it'll, it'll really have. How do you take that experience, you know, Istanbul Park or experiences like that and apply them to your daily work? I think you're, you're always trying to achieve um, what is, is, is right for the context. And I think that's, that's kind of the, one of the hardest things for new designers, especially like me for right now, like I just moved to Texas, whole new landscape, learning planting material and, and what people really value down here is very different than what people value in the northeast i think you got your your um uh your your book of tricks ready but people in texas value things completely different like um and and being very um cognizant of that just like being aware that um what looks good in precedent research and super shiny on any sort of award when this might not fit the context of, of what you're what you're actually building for. It's about the people that currently live there now, but also are going to live there in the future. Um, I think that's one of the toughest things that um, that I, I think I'm struggling to grapple with right now because um, a lot of the predictions are for the new generation growing up. I mean, baby boomers are, are kind of on their way out and Gen, the millennials, Gen X, Gen Z are completely different people in terms of what they demand from landscapes. Mm -hmm. um, or even there's the social fabric of, of the world right now. So, yeah. uh, so is that one of the main challenges you see facing landscape architecture, designing for new generations, designing? What what kind of challenges do you see? I think the advocacy thing is like a huge challenge. Uh, I feel like there's there's this. It's hard to to break that nutshell open with like one like easy quick fix but I think the awareness of the profession is like like our utmost it's like doing the doing the work I think a lot of people have been doing good work for such a long time I mean, there's so many people doing really good work um, and grand scale small scales local regional like all like people have been doing the work I think it's like it's almost uh, maybe a call back to I don't know if you you, you were probably at the um, the, the LAF summit and was it, was it 2016? Yeah, and I think there was a comment that like that I still think about. I'm sure other people still still think about. It's like landscape architecture. Landscape architects are like the shade loving species. It's not very <laughs> boastful. <laughs> we don't really brag about our accomplishments, and maybe that's like a good thing. But I think there there needs to be a level of recognition for um, for some of the, the services that we provide, and then. Through that, there will be advocacy based on people who just kind of have this understanding that, all right, cool, I'm a fan of all these things that I like, you know, walkability, um, you know, uh, sustainability, all these kind of things. Um, I should know my landscape architects in, in my area. It's like, it's, a, it's, it's such a pivotal thing. I mean, where we are right now, like the amount of things that landscape architects can be responsible for if this thing is really like funneled into into um, the best the, the best thing it can be uh, would be crazy. I mean, it'd be, the impact would be crazy. 
I mean, we're, we're at the most that we've probably ever been um, in terms of the profession size. Um, and it's only going to get more, uh, get, get bigger. Like again, because I think the newer generation is just kind of aligned with the goals and values of our profession, especially the Gen, Gen Zers who are like, you know, we don't want, um, uh, we don't want our own cars. We're going to take public trains, like we're really into the environment and all this kind of stuff. I think it's it's kind of like the perfect storm, um, but I think it's still upon us to kind of really, um, really take charge of that energy and make it mean something. Right. It seems like we did a, a recent podcast uh, on the Life Grows Here campaign that ASLA has done for World Landscape Architecture Month this year. And, and the big idea of that is that landscape architecture touches almost everybody's life every day, you know, whether it's a athletic field where your son's playing t-ball or the park you go eat lunch in, you know, but people don't know that it's landscape architecture. You know? yeah. So, so the challenge is how do we let people know, look, these things that are affecting you every day, we do that. <laughs> Any, what's your thoughts on that? How would, how would you uh, get that word out? I wish I wish I had the idea. <laughs> I think I think it's um, I think it's it's a lot. And again, it's kind of where I think my research plays in, and is that um, I think it's a lot of just the representation. I think um, you know, in in being very critical of my own visual representation, I think one of the things that landscape um, architects kind of fall prey to all the times doing graphics for the benefit of other landscape architects or people who are who are really who who understand the discipline um you see it a lot in um in college too especially within a master's program with these convoluted diagrams that like my mom would like be like what the hell is going on <laughs> <laughs> and you know i think um again in terms of like moving or taking other modes of representation more seriously is kind of having um a more candid dialogue with the folks that we're asking to be advocates for our profession. Um, you know, the thought that like, I think everyone knows this, the thought that most people will be able to read plan sections, elevations and all those things. I mean, even some 3D renders can be disorienting, um, depending on if you have like a, a understanding of where you are in, in, in the world, if you don't see a key map and things like that. Um, how can we, really make the dialogue very transparent in terms of like, hey, we are here to help. This is all the things that we can do specifically um, in your environment or your your city, your community. Um, I think that's going to be the big thing. It's like, I mean, I think we, have, we actually had a conversation about it this morning in the design review. You know, some of the best landscape architects, it's not just the design, it's the storytelling that really captivates the people there because, you know, beyond seeing the form or whatever they see themselves in the narrative and can kind of hold on to that and then fight for that show up to meetings vote a certain way um you know chain themselves to a tree if necessary <laughs> <laughs> you uh you mentioned your mom and uh common thing among landscape architecture students my parents have no idea <laughs> what i do what i'm doing and maybe even not just students actual landscape architects do your parents get it? Could your mom explain what a landscape architect is? Yeah, she she gets it now. I I I, I think when I when I said that, I was speaking directly to just the um, the the 
the the documentation or things like I think she she understands the concept of like um you know if we like flip through plans and sections like I, I think like I think I still think there's a gap there you know um, and I think again that's basically all that's basically a response of like these 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 visuals are not always for or I don't think generated and and, and complete respect for the the audience you know it's like yeah they probably can be legible but how how heavily are we critiquing the legibility of a lot of these things um and if they're not if the efficacy of these things are not super great why are we looking to towards other means like right now like you know um i think most people this kind of like i mean i'm a lot of people have gotten bought. So I think it's like the hardest thing in respect to like saying to pursue like new tech. It's like people have gotten great things built, you know, whether it was like, you know, hand sketches to, to ink, um, construction documentation, great things are being built. So it's like, you know, that don't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But like, ultimately we can't just keep going on the streamline, this basis plateau of like what we think the profession can do. We have to, again use every tool tool on our tool belt to to kind of make it um the best it can be and i think it, it's ultimately like the easiest time to do this right now um again to bring technology back into it with, with social media getting any message out i mean people people get messages out about the stupidest things you know how can we leverage um this this kind of atmosphere that we live in where technology is so well information is so abundantly available to, to make our message um, more palatable and easy to digest for everyone. So we have people fighting on our sides that we didn't really even expect to. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Ask LA. Don't miss the second part of our chat with Andrew on our next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask LA podcast on iTunes, Google, or your podcast service of choice to catch every episode. For more information about the great work of the American Society of Landscape Architects, check out ASLA.org.